0: The destination of this train is North Station. Welcome in, everyone, to uh, what's the name of this podcast, Scott? It's been so long. I don't even know what it's called. I think it's South Platform Rims. That sounds good to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome into to North Station Hoops. It's been a long time. Um, I'm joined, as you heard, by the great, the man, the myth, the legend, Lottie Scavine, Scott Levine. Scott, how are we doing, man? I mean, what else can, can we say?
1: Obviously, it's been a minute. Celtics were not a basketball team. Neither of us really were itching to talk about for a while, uh, be it from the first round on to the kind of, I guess we could have done a Podcast about you know the Horford trade, but we figured we would just let the chips fall where they may and do a nice little roundup. And that's exactly what we're doing today. It's it's uh some could say it's been long overdue, but I just say, you know, it'll be even sweeter
0: once we fire these takes off. Listen, listen, there's definitely stuff we could have thought about. I mean, there's been a lot in the Celtics <laughs> yeah, World. Yeah. I mean, like since the last time we recorded, we were eliminated from the playoffs. Uh Tatum dropped 50. Uh, against Brooklyn, and I'm still gonna hang my hat that we beat a healthy Brooklyn Nets team in Stadium Drop 50. Um, Al Horford was or, excuse me, Kemba was traded. Al Horford made his return. Danny Ainge stepped down. Brad Stevens was promoted. We hired a new head coach. Uh, there's been a lot. Yeah, but... we, we probably had a few podcasts of material. Did we? Did we take?
1: <laughs> did we capitalize on that? Not necessarily. Yeah, we both we been.
0: Yeah, we both just <laughs> been real busy between work for both of us, school, and. Yeah, but we're back. We're here. We'll get some content pumping out this summer, a lot of stuff happening. This episode is mainly focused on the free agent moves we've made, um, and or trades that we have made, um, discussing, you know, maybe future free agent signing, just free agency in general, the direction of the team that we're heading in, that it appears that we're heading in, um, so I guess if you just want to kick it off, you want to start off with the big move that happened, I don't know what, two months ago now? Kemba for Al Horford, basically?
1: Yeah, I was actually curious to when it actually happened, and I think it was like mid-June. So if you if you say two months ago, if you say one month ago, you're close enough um, because I think it was one and a half months ago. Um, but the move obviously being Al Horford, Uh, and, uh, I, I don't know if anything else came back, honestly, uh, but we We got Moses
0: Brown.
1: Oh yeah. We got Moses Brown. Yeah. For for a month. Who's now? Yeah. We uh, got a lot of people getting excited about Moses Brown and now he's not on the team. Um, we got, and then we sent out basically Kemba and the 16th pick, uh, who if I remember correctly, um, was used on Shangun, uh, now, I don't know if the Celtics would have picked him, but, I, you know, you could say that it was a little bit disappointing in a draft that was labeled as such a deep draft to not have that pick, but, you know, picks and cap space, as our Mark, guy, Mark Schindler says, are a social construct. Flexibility is a social construct. We got our guy, Al. Uh, he's has prior chemistry with the squad, obviously, um, and it's no secret what he's you know best at. He's excellent kind of facilitator from the elbows. Um, I think we'll see, you know, I'll I'll put a, we'll see on the defense at age 35, but I, you know, still very sound positional defender. Um, Hopefully the shot can continue to be there. Um, Everyone listening to the Celtics podcast knows what Al Horford brings to the Celtics Uh, might be a little different, but I don't know. Like what was your initial reaction
0: to uh, that trade? Um, I was, it was a, it was a both. I felt, I felt real bad that we just like had to move on like that from Kemba, who today had found a new home in New York back from where he's from, which is awesome for him. OKC bought him out, went back to New York, who, you know, they sneaky have like a pretty, pretty, you know, they got some spacing around Randall and, you know, some of their issues they had last season. I think they've had a great offseason. Uh, we'll talk about Fournier, what happened there and the money he got, but, um, yeah, it was a mixed bag of emotions. Like, i like to see Al back, but I still don't know what he has left in the tank. I mean, he barely freaking played last year. Would he play, like, 20 games and they shut him down?
1: Yeah, I I, I almost, like, I don't know what to make of that season because he did look Al Horfordy when they did let him play. And then it was mostly, like, had nothing to do with him, uh, why they decided not to play him. Um, you kind of look for that. You kind of look for, like, snippets in which he was able to be a center in Philly, um, you kind of just hold on to those as kind of uh, evidence that Al Horford can still do this. He can still be a starting caliber center
0: and play at a high level. Yeah, he's he's just one of those players that's going to age really well and has aged well with with his great feel on both ends of the court, his passing, his his defense. I question about his defense of he if he could still be like a full time five and rim protector. I don't know how great. He can be as a rim protector these days. I don't, his athleticism has definitely waned, but then again, I don't like seeing he, I mean, he can't, you can't start him and Rob together. I mean, you could, but then you're relying on Al to play the four and then how mobile can he still be guarding the perimeter? So there's definitely some question marks there. Um, I definitely think they might've sold a little bit low on Kemba. Um, at least give attaching the 16th pick for that. I don't know if they needed to do that. Um, but then again, like, I I still think Kemba's got something left in the tank. Like, he showed it last year that he does in some areas. Like, the second half of last year, he was just fine. Not not Charlotte Kemba, nowhere close to Charlotte Kemba, but still not as bad as, you know, bubble Kemba or, like, you know, knee problem Kemba. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think it's just a great fit for Al. Like, he's definitely clearly the direction with the new GM in Brad Stevens. He's made it a point. We want to get pieces around Tatum and Brown that fit them better, you know, that can maximize their strengths. And Al Horford does that, as you talked about with his elbow game, his dribble handoff game. Um, I know you wrote an article on the best way to maximize Jason Tatum, which is very similar to uh, in some ways how you can maximize Jalen Brown with the dribble handoff game. And you got, you know, the dribble handoff king and Al Horford. Um but, yeah, I think that's about it. All I have on Al. Yeah, uh, just at- Al. <laughs> Why do you call him that? I don't know. You wrote Hal Orford, and I saw Orford, and I thought of Oxford. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: Hal Orford. Um, uh, this is a DHO team based on, you know, who they signed. Uh, but based on Ime Udoka, um, where he's coached, you know, you look at, like, he was assistant coach for the Sixers and they did run a ton of DHOs and Chicago action, which makes me sound smart when I say it, but really is just a DHO type play where there's also a weak side action going on on the other side. You know, one of the shooters will screen for the other and then, you know, the elbow guy will uh, look for that weak side shooter, stuff like that. That's what this team is set up to do. We have Al Horford and we have Rob Williams, both incredible handoff bigs in like different, really different ways Al because of his like floor spacing and Rob, because he can hand it off and just like be, do a beeline to the rim. Uh So this is going to not be as like a, of a pick and roll heavy team as maybe last year with Kemba Walker and, you know, at times with Jason Tatum. And I, I kind of like DHOs more than pick and rolls for Tatum. I kind of go over this in my article, like you said, um, he has an easier time just like getting downhill in the DHOs just because he can, you know, build up a runway, build up a head of steam before he gets the ball. Whereas you're asking him to like kind of gain separation a lot more often in the pick and roll. Um, And I think this kind of makes the offense a little bit more democratic. It's less on Tatum to be like the guy it's less on Jalen to be the second option, because this is almost like, a pet peeve I I, I slightly have. And you, you see a little bit in like Celtics discourse, like is Jason Tatum like a first option? You know, is Jalen Brown like a second option? Like at some point, this is basketball. It's not auditioning for a first chair, you know, clarinet. You you The idea of a first or second option is very fluid. So there are things we can put around Tatum, even if he's not like a quote unquote first option, the way someone like, you know, LeBron or like Luka is, even if he's not that he can still be like the spearhead of the Celtics offense with guys like Al kind of facilitating action on the elbow um, with kind of that democratic ball movement style that Yudoka seems to really want to play. Um, I think the Clippers kind of did this for Kawhi a little bit, you know, like if you just have tell Kawhi to be Luca or LeBron, I don't think that goes as well, but they had so much passing and shooting around him that it really allowed him to pick and choose the avenues to be Kawhi in. I think that's kind of the avenue, not that Jason Tatum is Kawhi. Yet, I think that's kind of the avenue in which he can, you know, maybe rise to like that MVP type player that we've all kind of hoped he'd be. Um, it's not going to be, it's going to take a little creativity. It's going to take um, some guys facilitating stuff for him, but really that's what al kind of unlocks for our two stars like you're saying it really works well with their games
0: yeah to touch a little bit on imi Yodoka and his background um and like like what you said imi he's he's not going to spam pick and roll he's not gonna be one of those teams his longest time as a coach as an assistant he spent seven years under greg popovich in san antonio um which heavily emphasizes obviously back then um ball movement and just motion constant motion off ball um and you know then he spent a year in philly a year in brooklyn um and you know as he said in his introductory press conference motion is definitely an emphasis here defensive you know bring that bulldog defensive mentality back um things like that and and like you said it's just what al it's just a batch made in heaven with al and the two jays like i think it's perfect for them um but Outside of that, I don't really have too much to add left on Al.
1: We can talk about Josh Richardson in a second and, uh, you know, the trade exception we used for him. And I honestly think a lot of my Josh Richardson, the idea of his how to best use him stems from Al Horford. So I think this is an excellent transition um, in the sense that, you know, when Josh Richardson looked, you know, kind of better with the ball in Philly. It was kind of working that two-man game, that pick and pop, that dribble handoff game with Al Horford. Um Just because, I mean, we saw Avery Bradley, like, you know, work, do that with Al Horford in, in Boston. It really makes it a lot easier for any guard to like kind of just direct traffic when you have <laughs> Al Horford. Like that's going to be the um, theme of this podcast probably. Um, so regarding Josh Richardson, uh, I mean, we can get into, you know, his past struggles, I guess, with Dallas, with Philly, Um, you know, not his, it it seems like the uh, point where everyone was excited about him on the heat though, so far has kind of been his apex uh, career wise. Um, I was actually, I I wrote for Liberty Ballers a couple of, articles here and there, uh the 2019, 2020 season. So I saw him up close. Um I had this for back back when I wrote for ninety-four, I wrote for I had this th- series called the Eastern Conference Snail Race inspired by a SpongeBob. Uh and basically it was like a snail race to see which mediocre team could get like the eight seed. And so I was like looking at Detroit. I was looking at Charlotte. I was looking at um Miami, you know, uh, at the buzzer. I remember like, it was like first team to like two games under 500 made the playoffs or something weird like that. Uh, and so I saw a lot of the Josh Richardson creator, um, experience that they had that last season there. And it wasn't always pretty, um, but there are specific things that work for him and specific things that don't, uh, I don't know. What are your kind of impressions of Josh Richardson, uh, having not done all that really,
0: time-consuming and uh, frivolous stuff yeah well i'm i'm very shocked and proud of you for not laying into Josh Richardson off the bat you kind of (laughs) complimented him at first and i know i i
1: i I, you know i i I might have said certain things uh to certain people on certain discord (laughs) channels but you know we can leave that in the past
0: yeah i was gonna say you're kind of infamous for uh you know being a jay rich hater back in the day but (laughs) But listen, he's a Celtic now, and uh, you, you have to love him. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to love him. But <laughs>
1: You have to love everything and everyone on our team, and you have to love pretzel jello because that's our GM's favorite Thanksgiving dish. Really? That's
0: Brad yeah. Stevens' yeah, like, it
1: like a. Yeah, his wife makes, like, this pretzel like this pretzel jello. <laughs> and really? typing yeah, I'm in. typing it in. It's I don't, don't even know Brad what Steven. this is. It's pretzel. just jello with pretzel, pretzel jello.
0: Oh, okay. So it's like a uh, kind of, okay. So I, so it's, it's jello and there's a layer of cake below it. And there's a layer of like hard pretzel below it. That doesn't look too bad actually.
1: Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's Brad Stevens favorite Thanksgiving dish, which I find hilarious and yeah. I don't, I I don't want to admit that it doesn't look that bad. I want to, I want to roast him for being this like cultureless, like white Midwestern (laughs) guy, please just let me have my moment. Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna uh, my 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 uh, rather my more pointed Josh Richardson
0: remarks are behind me for the time being, so I'll let yeah, you continue. Yeah, Jay Rich, he's yeah. So we used the trade exception on him. We we gave up Moses Brown for him, I believe is the final deal. Um, Dallas was just looking to clear some cap space, put another, some sort of, it looks like they want to get some sort of create another creator next to Luca, a secondary creator. Um, it looked like it, they wanted Lowry. That didn't happen. Obviously he went to Miami. Um, so, I mean, they kind of just moved off Jay rich, but in terms of how he fits with the Celtics, um, my impressions of him, like back in Miami, he was a point of attack defensive hog. Um, and I know you want to mention how, like i said earlier emi said he wants to get this defensive dog back in this team uh defensive mentality i mean this team was a top five defense for i don't know how long like ever since Brad has been here they've been right near the top last season was a major letdown um and emi wants to bring that back jay Ridge definitely has that skill set if he can tap into it he can be i mean he's what six six incredible wingspan he's got good lateral quickness good length he's he can be that guy again he can be a lot like you know a skinnier Jalen Brown and one who's better at you know navigating screens um maybe not can't defend up as much as Jalen Brown can not as strong as him but another good point of attack defender which the Celtics definitely need outside of smart and brown um or you know Chris Dunn I guess we'll get into him and how much if he's going to play but other than that I mean he he can run secondary pick and roll I think what he did last year in Dallas was just like you know he's he was asked to be a catch-and-shoot guy only, very rarely running, you know, pick-and-rolls, dribble handoffs, any of that, um, which then again, you're not going out of your way to give Jay Rich, you know, a lot of creation responsibility because that's also not a good use of his skills. You know, there's there's kind of a happy medium here. He can't just be standing in the corner, but he also – you can't be spamming pick-and-roll or giving him, you know, 10 pick-and-roll possessions a half. Um but, he, you, know, if shit go, you know, he can be your third or fourth option in certain uh, certain mm-hmm. situations. Um, the biggest thing with him for me, I mean, if I want to jump really quick into the negative, his three-point shooting has just gone, like, I think, I had his splits up, but every single year it's dipped, like, 2% ever since he's left Miami. <laughs> like, last year it was 33%, um, 34%. That's
1: honestly higher than I expected. I think, like, out of the gate, like, at like the first month or so, it was like below yeah, 30%. Yeah. And, and I know he was dealing with a few injuries. Um, and it might have actually uh, been in the been in the health and safety protocols for a while,
0: um, now that I remember. because yeah, he only played but, 59 games last year. Yeah. Out yeah. of 72, of course. But yeah, I mean, he shot 38% in Miami. Then it went to 36, 34, and now 33. Um, he's going to need to hit that around mid 30%. Um, Mm -hmm. to help out. But other than that, I mean, I know you, I haven't gone this deep into Jay rich and how he is as a ball mover and quick decision maker. Um, from what I've heard from you, like you told me it, he's not a quick ball mover, which definitely isn't. It's a, yeah, he's just not, it's, it's fine. He's not. (laughs) Yeah. Which definitely doesn't fit very well into, you know, this dribble handoff quick decision motion offense. We want to, we want to try to get back to, um, but yeah, I'll let you take from there if you want to get a little negative. on Joe sure. Rich. My issue with Josh Richardson in the past was,
1: you know, he was someone who I thought was used too much on ball in Philly, and then he got traded to Dallas. And, you know, I think the kind of the, the consensus was, okay, Josh Richardson was running a lot of overtask, running a lot of pick and rolls in an offense that didn't really have proper spacing. Um, you know, let, let him work off ball, let him be more of a catch and shoot guy. You know, he's still a good shooter, uh, next to Luca. And then that just seemed not really good for him either. So at a certain point, like if you're not like a all-star or like borderline all-star, uh, teams aren't going to like bend to accommodate you, you know, you have to, I mean, not that I'm expecting him to run as many pick and rolls as he did and be as good as it in Philly, but like you kind of have to adjust a little bit more than he showed he was able to when going from Philly to Dallas. Um, Yes. You know, you could say, Oh, he just needs to be in the perfect environment, but like at some point, is it even worth maximizing Josh Richardson? Like what do you have to take away from the rest of your team to make sure this like fringe starting caliber player Uh, gets enough repetitions doing what he does best. And I'll kind of get into what I think that is um, and why there might be parts of it that do work with the Celtics. Um, So specifically what I think he does best, I think, uh, you know, you kind of covered the defense. Um, The effort has kind of come and gone. You know, It hasn't been like pants on fire uh, level effort for a couple of years now, uh, unless it's like in spurts. Um, which is fine. You know, we'll see what happens there, but offensively, I think that he is best kind of getting into his uh, pull-up mid Rangers, uh, which are kind of, you know, taboo a lot of the time, but there is a, there is a, there is a way for them to like, you know, be incorporated into an offense. Uh, I specifically like him, like I said, with a dribble handoff big who he can just like kind of, you know, run off, Uh, run around the arc, catch it, and then like dribble in. And if the defense is giving him too much space, he can pull up. If they're playing him too close, he can try to like gain a step and finish at the rim. Um, I guess the the, the hang up is what happens when he's not in those situations and his ability to constantly adapt to the reality that if you're not, you know, one of the main offensive weapons, your role will be very fluid. Uh, You'll be asked to do a bunch of different things. Um, so in situations in which he's not getting these DHO reps, is he going to foster, you know, healthy ball movement? Is he going to immediately make the extra pass? Um, is he going to be comfortable not touching the ball multiple possessions and then catching it and shooting it? Uh, I think that is what you're maybe losing a little bit on offense, uh, going from Evan Fournier to him. I just think that Evan Fournier's role can be a little bit more malleable. Uh, He can adjust on the fly a little bit more. Whereas from what I've seen in the past few years, Josh Richardson is best when he's doing like a few specific things and he's not quite good enough at them to warrant the team going out of their way to accommodate that.
0: Yeah. um, So my so one thing that you brought up that I thought was a good point is his, he does have a very solid mid range pull-up game, which works very well The dribble handoffs. Um, like it just envision him at the elbow, getting a handoff from Al um, the defense is worried about, you know, maybe a shooter in the corner. That guy stays attached to the shooter. The big man's too low. You know, he has a good, he's got a good floater. He's got a good mid range pull-up. There's avenues where this could work. Like it definitely can, but one thing that I like kind of just thought of now is like, did we, so we acquired him via the trade exception. It's kind of just feels like we just did it to do it. Cause we were going to lose it. And we just kind of want to throw some talent on the team um for next season, because we'll get into what it looks like. Brad's plan is with this team going forward. Um But kind of just looked like, yeah, I'm just going to, this guy fits perfectly into the trade exception. He's a solid player. There's ways he could fit. There's some sloppy fits here, but Let's just get him because we know we were losing Fournier. Like, we're not going to be able to pay him. So, um, yeah. But I also like the point that, that you brought up there. Like, if you're not a star player and you're a role player, you kind of find these fine ways to fit. Like, offenses aren't going to go out of their way to accommodate for you. Um, as we've seen plenty with, like, we saw it last year with Aaron Neesmith. Like, where he was a great movement shooter, but at the same time, we're not going to go out of the way to spam, like, these floppy actions for you and these catch-and-shoot options, you know? Yeah and
1: and like grant williams we're not going to like feature you on on like the short roll yeah or the dribble handoffs yeah four four on threes Yeah. yeah exactly like a lot of times he was in the corner and you know i guess the uh easy possibility the easy answer for this josh richardson thing is you know kind of feature him more on second units as i said uh we have we can get 48 minutes of good dribble handoff play because we have al horford and rob williams and uh you know, maybe his game would work a little bit better with Al, which might, you know, who might play more with the starters. Uh, but I still think there are some synergies with him, with Josh Richardson and Rob Williams out there. Uh, just because Rob is still going to, you know, cause attention towards the rim when he dives, which will kind of open up. Uh, exactly. I was going to say that. more if they I have to respect him. Really well exactly. Rob. Yeah. And the other thing about Josh Richardson, you know, I've kind of lamented him as a passer. He can throw lobs. Like Josh Richardson will find the lob, man. If, you know, he's not going to necessarily like spray the ball out to the corner shooter. Um, But if Josh Richardson can get in a groove where if they ignore Rob, the lobs there, if they ignore him, the mid range is there. If they play too close, just drive it and then see what happens. I think Josh can thrive when you kind of, create the guardrails to where he is just able to play within himself and not, you know, do stuff that he's not as good at, which is like, you know, making more complex passing reads or uh, stuff like that. So I think the easy answer to, you know, play to Josh Richardson's strengths without taking away from our better players is to create a environment in which he's like one of the better offensive players on the second unit.
0: Yeah. And it looks like, I don't know how the starting five is going to shake out, but it looks like he very well just, you know, could be our him or smart more of our six man wall handler responsibilities, or or Pritchard.
1: You know, um, if 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 Richardson is starting, uh, or you bring Pritchard for the shooting, as the as the starting as the as like the starting quote unquote point guard. Obviously, he wouldn't necessarily be tasked with what Kemba was doing or anything, but just like you know, a guy to space to the floor, think like Reggie Jackson on the Clippers this past year, you know, not the floor general, just there to hit a bunch of shots and,
0: you know, run a, run the occasional pick and roll if need be. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you, if you don't have anything else to uh, Josh, we can get into a couple other transactions we have made. Um, the only, or I guess the only one other than losing a couple guys is I don't, this trade hasn't been finalized yet. I don't know what the holdup is, but the three-teamer with Chris Dunn, um, acquiring Chris Dunn, sending out Tristan Thompson, um, and then Moses Brown, who was a part of that other trade. We I guess we're never going to see Moses Brown play for us. I I liked him as an emergency center, third-string center. Um, he's ridiculously athletic, ridiculously tall and long. So, you know, there, there's avenues where as an emergency center, it would have been fine. But Chris Dunn, it looks like, I think, is going to be on the Celtics. It's crazy how this hasn't been finalized yet. But... What are we getting in Chris Dunn? I mean, last year it was like a lost season last year for him. He barely played. He was battling injuries. He was in, he was on Atlanta, where they had you know a plethora of ball handlers and guards, so he didn't really have a role there. But twenty nineteen, Chris Dunn. Now we're talking. We're talking um, a defensive, arguably the best point guard defender in the league some would say on ball at least like just an absolute dog on that end right probably right up there with the, Eric the blood, only so.
1: the only reason he didn't make an all defensive team is just because he didn't play enough
0: yeah i thought he did did he make an all defensive team i'm not sure he might have i think second. i think it was smart was the second yeah You're right? it says narrowly misses all defensive team on.
1: oh dang yep. and the only reason he didn't make it was because he doesn't play, he didn't play enough minutes. And the reason he didn't play enough minutes is because he (laughs) just, you know, didn't necessarily provide close to the same impact on the offensive end. And uh, we'll get into, you know, I almost think that like if this team is so desperate to reclaim its defensive identity, it'll be hard not to play him because you know, he's there and you know, he's going to, you know, do the stuff that we're talking about we hope josh richardson can do again like he did in miami like chris dunn's always been that dude it's just been a matter of um you know uh, what wh- whether he uh, what he gives back on the offensive end by not being able to shoot and not necessarily being uh, much uh, uh, like a playmaker uh, so yeah i don't know like I didn't obviously, you know, see much of Chris Dunn this year. Um, I, w- I, w- I probably would have liked to a little bit more. Um, the Atlanta, like you said, just had so much
0: guard depth, and uh, you know, he was kind of the odd man out. Yeah, I mean, we can get right into like why. I mean, like you said, Chris Dunn, he's just. Well, I don't know how much he's going to play on this team. Is he going to play? How often he's going to play? Um, but I do want to see some. Chris Dunn, Marcus Smart minutes in the backcourt. <laughs> That'll be funny please, shit. Please, please. <laughs> yeah. Just – we we don't ask for much. Just do like just, a Chris Dunn, Just do it all defense. Just do like a Chris just, Dunn, Marcus Smart. Just do Marcus a full-court full press. Full-court press. Yeah, right. Chris Dunn and Marcus Smart. Just try it. Uh, imagine a lineup with Dunn, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford. That would be pretty Or fun. Or Rob Williams, just like full chaos. Yeah, right. Or maybe even if Jay Rich, Jay Rich over one of them. But – um yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe Jay Rich, uh, maybe it's like, uh, how PJ Tucker, you know, had that quote about they brought him in to be the dog. And he, he said, no, you already got dogs. And he had to make them believe they were dogs. Like maybe, maybe, you know, playing alongside Marcus Smart and Chris Dunn will have that impact on Josh Richardson. Hopefully that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Um, but any thoughts on Tristan Thompson and his departure? Um, so he was kind of the reason why dribble handoffs did not work out at all last year. Um, (laughs) Because you just, if you're going to be a very horizontal offense and what, but what I mean by that is like a lot of side to side, a lot of East West action, a lot of dribble handoffs, You just can't have Tristan Thompson executing those handoffs because nobody's going to respect him rolling to the rim. Nobody's going to respect him from 20 feet. And when he does keep the ball, he's not going to make uh, uh, a quick passing decision. I think if Tristan Thompson was a a quicker processor when looking to pass, I I would like
0: him, but he's not, so I don't. Yeah, when he was running the dribble handoff, (laughs) his man would just – He would Thompson would turn his back to hand off the ball, and his man would just back up. Yeah, just back
1: up and be like, nobody is worried about Tristan Thompson outside of four feet. Nobody's worried about Tristan Thompson inside four feet either. But he he always did that thing
0: where he would. Just barrel into defenders, dive into them, and go into, like a, a baby hook. And it was just.
1: And he did have a baby hook, and his baby hook was good, but his baby hook was a symptom of a larger problem in that he had absolutely no rim pressure. Um, mm-hmm. So if you look at his, like, if you look at his, like, short mid range on cleaning the glass, you're like, oh, wow, Tristan Thompson is like this, you know, Gonzaga, Brandon Clark level, you know floater finisher and then you realize it's then you look at the rim attempts and you look at the rim efficiency and you're like oh my gosh uh so even though he's really proficient in that one area his effective field goal percentage is still dreadful for a center yeah yeah um i I don't know like he's i i i I, I, there's definitely a, a role for him on a good team or a okay team, but that team isn't the Celtics. I think
0: that was clear last year. Yeah. And I don't think, I think last year was definitely a down year for him defensively as well. He, you know, he was supposed to come in and be a very switchable, big man. Uh, Okay. rim protector, definitely not his strength, but a switchable big man. Um, And, you know, it was just, it was just sloppy season last year. We don't need to talk about last season. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, All right. I'm ready to move on to, uh, free agency like or i mean yes we've been talking about it again actually all these moves are trades technically yeah celtics
1: were very i guess we'll start with the fournier contract because i think that's the uh one that most directly affected the celtics Mm -hmm. um i love this for the knicks uh this is awesome and i i kind of earmarked him at around like 15 million uh the you know it's ended up being between 19 and 20 that's free agency you know you're gonna have to pay the premium uh you know, extra four, five million annually to make sure you get the guy you want. Like, that's kind of how it is. Like, you look at someone like Gallinari, who I think is around the same player, Evan Fournier is maybe at a more valuable position, um, which also hiked his price up. But like, yeah, those are, you know, the deals that get handed out when a team just really wants to add a really good player like Evan Fournier. And uh, so there was interest and that's what hiked up the price. I don't know if Celtics were, whether they, you know, we're willing to pay that. Or if he just wanted to go to New York, um, I think, you know, as we're talking about, he, the, the main kind of downgrade offensively from Fournier to Richardson, like I said, is like Fournier can just play and thrive in a broader type of situations. Whereas Richardson really, uh, you need to play very Josh Richardson to get what you want out of him. Um, Yeah, that's just what you kind of want from your guys who aren't going to be featured every night. You know, you want them to just click in and have a fluid adaptable role. Uh, So I'm going to really miss him and be upset that I'm still kind of sad that he's not a Celtic. I was really hoping we would resign him. But, you know, uh, I guess it's really cool for the Knicks. We were talking about how they just got Kemba. They just signed Fournier. Uh, I I can, you know, I honestly think like, my dad, you know, grew up in Massachusetts and I think his team this year was the Knicks because he just didn't really feel like rooting for the Celtics. So he we would watch the Knicks a lot. Um, so I don't know. That's where I'm at with
0: Fournier. It just kind of, it's kind of a bummer, but we'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a little, so I didn't think he was going to get uh quite 20 mil over yeah. four. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little like upset. We I'm obviously upset we couldn't bring him back. He was, you know, very underrated when he got here last year. He, he got yeah, here, had- played bad, got COVID, and then – or he played bad, then started heating up, then he got COVID, and he came back, struggled again, and then was just, you know, great for the rest of the season. He just mm-hmm. – it's going to be a big blow. That's even sure.
1: when he was bad, it was kind of like uh, Holiday, Drew Holiday-esque, where, like, the shots weren't falling in certain games for Drew, but he was still, like – gaining separation off closeout attacks. He was still like finding guys for open shots. Like even when Evan Fournier's shots were missing, it was clear how good and how helpful he could be for the Celtics just based on the decisions he was making Mm -hmm. and the, and and the attention he was commanding uh, when he did get the ball and how he, how he was able to exploit that by like putting the ball on the floor and making a, you know, great, giving an opportunity for someone else. I just think that players like that are actually, low-key kind of rare and that's why he got 80 million dollars um and they're gonna be kind of the lifeblood of the celtics offense when it's gonna be so much improvisational reads and kind of freewheeling motion
0: yeah we talked about that a little bit last year um on this podcast uh just how when fournier when we first got fournier you know he was shooting 30 percent and 20 percent from deep we were talking about, okay, yeah, but you can see the impact he's bringing to this team offensively. His quick decision is ball movement. Um, and, uh, well, he's gone. So, <laughs> well, you know, we did only trade a second round pick for him. So, well, we uh, used a big chunk of the MLE on him too. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, not the MLE, the, the, uh, trade, the trade exception. exception. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was always
1: kind of, that was always kind of a myth anyway. We, we all knew it at the, in the back of our heads.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, outside of that, in terms of free agency, we've done well. I guess no, we signed Enis Kanter today. That is the only. I, I love it. I don't. Um, I'm okay with you not loving I, it. I love it. I mean, he brings—he's a solid. He brings <laughs> good. He brings good vibes. So whatever. Like I, I love the I love the person. Don't love the player.
1: That's that's totally okay. I I think I'm I'm coming I'm coming around to the player that is Enis Kanter. I think there is, you know, very eye testy ways that he looks very bad um in the sense that like yeah he just looks terrible the same way people like clown on Gobert. uh but really a lot of people suck at defense it's just more obvious when a slow center sucks at it uh not to say he's a good defender by any stretch but i still value just his offensive you know footprint and like just scoring like there were times last you know when, when he was back on the Celtics when you know he were going small with Kelly Olynyk in that series and maybe one of the bright spots was just Ennis Canter just bodying Kelly Olynyk and kind of helping dissuade them from doing that M- maybe it didn't really actually do anything maybe you know he still won those on-offs uh but i like watching Ennis Canter i like you know I, I still have a soft spot for Post players with, you know, good touch who can also kind of work off pick and rolls and bruise their way to the basket. You know, Jonas Valanciunas, shout out to one of my favorite players in the league. Um, (laughs) Love that for New Orleans. But yeah, that's kind of my counter thoughts. I just kind of like him.
0: Honestly, if I'm being really honest here, probably the best offensive rebounding big man I've seen in a long time. Like he yeah. just has a knack for finding that. Re- it's just he, incredible. He just will.
1: He he was yeah. averaging like double doubles in like eighteen to twenty minutes at times
0: for the Blazers, just because he'd go in and grab a dick ton of rebounds. Yeah, I mean, he averaged three, four offensive rebounds a game last year it, <laughs> in in twenty four minutes. <laughs> yeah, he, he uh, bas- I promise you guys, basketball is more fun when you appreciate Ines Kanter. Like, I didn't realize he put up nineteen a game one year in OKC. <laughs> 26 games. It was when he was yeah. traded from Utah to OKC, but 19 a game, 11 for it's 31 minutes. That's impressive. Um, you got to hand it to him. Yeah, um, but what I do want to talk about in free agency is just um, us being quiet outside of um, the trade J- with Jay Rich. Is kind of just the uh, the way Brad kind of has to handle this because I think, or at least in my opinion, I think it's clear that Brad is like he said, a trying to put the right pieces around Brown and Tatum to make them flourish. B you can't do that right now with the way the, the cap sheet is and the money we have. He, he, yeah. he, he knows he can't just like, he, he, he's trying to let them flourish and he can't do that yet. He, he needs flexibility going forward, which he is doing right now. He's got some tradable contracts in Jay rich, God forbid, but potentially Marcus smart, um, you know, good sat uh, Jay rich is definitely a great salary filler on a trade, but, um, he's trying to and they're both free agents after the end of the year there's a lot of money coming off the books at the end of next season this season to me it just looks like a bridge year. it looks like that okay we have a new gm he's doing it his way now and we need a season to let him do it his way because he needs to free up some money here um that's kind of the way i'm looking at this free agency there's nothing he can really do right now alonzo Ball is the only player I really wanted to see us go after <laughs> ag- aggressively because um, I think he fit well with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think he fit well with the timeline. He wasn't super expensive. Um, and once we struck out Lonzo, once he went to Chicago, I was like, okay, let's just sit back, you know, get some cheap guys, maybe bring IT back for some vibes, canter back for some vibes. And, uh, you know, let's, let's just – it's a bridge year To me, it looks like a bridge year, which sucks, and it's, like, not going to be fun, but that's what it looks like.
1: Yeah. There's not really any thing that they could do at this point. That makes me think, Oh, we're back, baby. You know, I just, I'm not feeling overly inspired by our like contention chances chances the way I might have been like, you know, looking at as an outside shot two years ago. Uh, That's not really the case this year. So I would agree. Um, Yeah, Lonzo is an interesting one because I kind of talked about, you know, all the stuff that Fournier brings and Lonzo, not quite as much like off the dribble juice, but everything else, you know, whether you talk about uh, shooting, which he apparently can do, uh, passing, you know, uh, making quick decisions, um, that would be just a perfect player. And then you, you consider how he brings like a, you know, a Chris Dunn type impact defensively if not quite that ferocious um while also not taking away much offensively like that was the dude if we had any way of getting him but you know shout out evan and shout out the chicago bulls i'm very excited to watch them this year um honestly could be a, a team in celtics path and playoff seating it looks like based on all their recent acquisitions um so yeah i think you kind of covered it well bridge here um and that's probably what it was going to be anyway. But now we have maybe a slightly more favorable ecosystem um, with that Al Horford trade uh, to get our guys, you know, more comfortable off dribble handoffs and kind of used to that. Because I think that's that seems like the direction we want to go in long-term is just a very, you know, egalitarian type offense. A lot of motion concepts, a lot of dribble handoffs. So you is the coach for that. Al is the bridge player for that and uh, I think it's a good situation like you said for Tatum and Brown
0: yeah the last thing I'll add on that is I do think especially with Brad as a gym now rather than Ainge who might have had cold feet on pulling triggers on trades I think Brad is also trying to set this team up to make a move for a third star if and when they become available whether that be Bradley Beal Um, I I really
1: I'm ultimately I know I know Beal obviously everything's fluid Uh, I feel I just feel like if I just feel like he's gonna stay in Washington his entire career.
0: I mean, they got Dinwiddie (laughs) today, they got Dinwiddie, they got Kuz back, and that was, I mean, they're gonna be a fine team next year. Yeah, they they, they, they got some young guys, they'll they'll probably be like a play in. Are they doing play in next year again? I think they are, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, KCP,
1: I think even outside the LeBron ecosystem, he's like a solid seventh man. Yeah, um, they've got some players, but. I don't know. I I guess this is something that, like, I think Zach Lowe might have said on a podcast, like, it would be so easy to look for an excuse to leave as him. And he's just looked for every excuse to, like, stay optimistic and stay with the Wizards, which is really cool. Like, it's cool as shit. I know a lot of people want Bradley Beal on their teams. I, I would love Bradley Beal on the Celtics. But I also really do love that he's just, you know, willing to stick with Washington. And he doesn't really owe them anything. You know, there's the team that drafted him, but it's just cool to see. You know, it doesn't always result loyalty doesn't always result in a championship like with Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, you can say what's the point of loyalty when these guys will salary dump you the first second it you know benefits them. But I don't know. I just really like it,
0: and I I I don't know. (laughs) Obviously, anything can change. You know. Yeah, he did tweet out a an emoji today, a thinking emoji, which hmm. got people thinking, um, yeah, I, I
1: which, saw, I, I saw like the really deep tinfoil hat Celtics was like the distance between his blue check Mark and the emoji is the same angle between DC and Boston. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if you draw the line on a map,
0: I, I honestly, I'll, I, I condemn that fan. That's a, I like that. That's a huh? very interesting way to look at that. Um, <laughs> But um, even if it's not Bradley Beal, what I was saying was – Yeah, uh, I just, just want to star. get that point off because I see a lot of Bradley Beal stuff and I'm just like,
1: I think he likes Washington.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think he does too. Um, but, you know, if Brad's willing to pull the trigger yeah. on that third star, which I do think he is, you saw Ainge multiple times get cold feet. Where, and To be fair, Ainge got criticized for not pulling those triggers when – they all involved Tatum and Brown. And then all those players ended up leaving said team. They got traded to Kawhi um, Paul George, Paul George. Like it's just like, it kind of looks like Ainge in just about every situation made the right decision to pull those trade up Tatum for like these rentals. But um, yeah, we'll see what Ainge or we'll see what Brad does there, but he definitely, you know, there's some assets here. I think Brad is, like I said, the flexibility going forward, and now the option of potentially getting that third star, if or when they become available, whoever it may be, it could be going out of the towns. Um, they always come out of nowhere. some star that just gets disgruntled with their situation. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's going to be an ups. It's, it's tough, which also what I'll say is that's a very fine line to walk. A, you need someone to become available. B, they need to want to come to Boston see the other team. Hey, you know, there's two parts to a trade. They got to agree on it. And we don't exactly have like this young cornerstone piece that so people are knocking on the door for. Um, I think Rob's probably our best trade ship, but he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year.
1: Yeah. And we have to assume that Jason and Jalen, I mean, are off the table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe if we're talking like, you know, (laughs) I can't like, like if we're talking like some, great player around the same age, like maybe Jalen's yeah. available, but I, I don't think Jason Tatum is like, yeah, I think no. that's, that's a laugher if, but like, let's say like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to do this to Jalen because someone like Damian Lillard, but like younger, because I think Jalen for Dame, I'd probably pull the trigger just to get Damian Lillard on to Tatum on the same team. But I completely understand wanting to keep Jalen. I totally get that. Uh, I'm just kind of, chaotic uh but like someone like that someone some caliber of player like that but like on the timeline better i could see like the jalen conversation coming up because he would be the guy we needed to actually make that move but other than that uh no i think it's gonna have to the, the trade chips are gonna have
0: to come from somewhere else outside the jays yeah yeah i agree and like i said i don't think this team has like a young piece that people are really want really are looking for it'd be like a collection of all these young guys neesmith langford yeah pritchard maybe rob with not all those guys but rob with another one yeah. of those guys every pick for the next fucking 30 years but um yeah all right um i wasn't that with was free agency man i mean i i'm not a tax a big like cap guy i don't think we have much room at all um we had about about 127 million on the books before signing Cantor. I think we're closer to 130 now. Um, yeah, the
1: fact that we didn't sign, we signed him for more than the minimum, which means that we cut into the yeah, Nate's just like what uh, <laughs> we uh, we cut into the uh, full non-taxpayer mid-level exception by signing him for over the minimum. So maybe like a guy. So we can't use our full MLE anymore. So that kind of rules out someone like Dennis Schroeder or like Danny Green or like you know guys who might be making around like 10 million a year uh probably okay probably didn't seem like they were coming to boston anyway uh i really would have liked i would have been kind of thrilled honestly if we could get dennis shooter that's the kind of uh i mean that's the kind of advantage creator that i think we need not necessarily a world beater but a guy who can get two feet in the paint Mm -hmm. um but you know that's neither here nor there uh I think he's looking
0: for a longer term deal
1: yeah. as well. And that totally makes sense. It doesn't really make sense. He doesn't really mesh with what a lot of the stuff we're doing. Like he is very useful in like a pick and roll setting, um, and he would be helpful to have, but he doesn't mesh with a lot of what we're doing and not necessarily someone we need to like attach to long term. Um so that makes sense if he, I mean he probably is looking for a long term thing cuz he hasn't signed yet. You know, I think a lot of teams would be thrilled to have him on like a 1 year
0: 10-15 million dollar deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, other than that, I mean, it looks like unless we get signed like a minimum point guard, um, knock on wood, IT, that'd be cool. Yeah. But uh, it, it I mean, it looks like Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, Chris Donner, probably like your full time. And, and and young. and Yam and Yamadar. I don't know how he's probably going to be on a two way if I had to guess. I'm not sure. Um, I think I know he said his goals is to be on the Celtics this year, not playing on the season overseas. Um so yeah and I I don't know um if we have how many roster spots do we have left I don't even
1: know at this point I'll we have can, to we're not yeah. we're,
0: we're, we're not the podcast to tell you how many
1: Celtics roster spots there are on <laughs> we're we're a lot of things we're not that specific podcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I was kind of hoping I'm gonna at center I was hoping for like a like more of like a special, well, I guess Enes is a specialist in what he does. But I was hoping mm-hmm. for like a maybe like a like a Biombo. Um. I, I I can promise you you'd rather have Enes than Biombo. I Mac, know yeah. he's, he's, he's <laughs> I think vulnerable.
1: I no, but yeah, I, I agree. Like Biombo could like do a lot defensively. Um, you know, he maybe could, maybe could. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's good to have like you know another like good anchor as a five so that Rob can fly around and like play some four, but then you can't really play beyond bow and Rob offensively. Uh, mm-hmm. I do. I do. I am interested to see how much they'll go to Al Horford and Rob Williams. Uh, and we kind of didn't talk about this, but you know, I think people's last memory of Al Horford is at the four, like with Embiid. And I think playing Al Horford, and Embiid is a lot different than playing Al Horford and, you know, most centers. I think Embiid is very unique in the footprint he commands. Not only is he going to be have his domain near the hoop, but he's going to, you know, want to carve out that mid-range area for face-ups and you know, he's very good at it. He completely deserves that. He's earned that right to kind of do whatever he wants down there, but yeah, I, I think that there's ways to play Al Horford in the four and not have him, you know, be resigned to the corner as much as he was in in Philly, uh, you know, whether that's through, you know, camping Robert Williams in the dunker spot as the five and still using Al as a dribble handoff big. Uh, I think that could be a look we go to. Um, the reason I more like it is because I do think, well, you know, you talked about how Al Horford might not be a rim protector at the same level he was. I do think he can kind of anchor a defense positionally and that allows Rob to be a little bit less tethered to the rim, uh, which allows him to fly around more on the perimeter. Um, Perhaps it could be like a, you know, a Denver situation where we bring up Al Horford to the, uh, free throw line to defend pick and rolls and Rob's that kind of backline helper, uh, that I think he'd be really good at being, uh, sometimes when Rob is the main only rim protector, he has a knack for getting out of position. Um, still learning the art of like figuring out what to ignore and what to go after as a rim protector. So just like allowing him to block shots without it being disastrous when he gets out of position would be really cool.
0: Yeah, it was a good. I, I like that you brought up the whole um, Denver situation. I think Rob would thrive in that role if he wasn't yeah. a full-time five. If he could roam on the perimeter and then be a help side or weak side rim protector, shot blocker, I think that'd be that'd be that'd be awesome. I I mean, there's clearly ways where it could work offensively with Al and Rob. Al would be more or less the four offensively. Rob would be the five, the rim runner. Um, but like you said, defensively, I mean, you're kind of just can Al be a full-time five? I, I think he can.
1: I think, if I think there's ways to just, he's just so smart and he's still pretty big Yeah. where I think like he's not, it's not going to be as potent as it was, but like positionally, if guys like, you know, Vucevic and guys like Jokic and you know, yeah, you know, if guys like that can kind of just stand under the rim and be big, um, I think Al Horford can more or less do it. Yeah. Um, it's just about, you know, being positionally smart. And I do think that, you know, in those lineups, uh, maybe will our defense will be kind of rough when Al is the only rim protector. But when you have some aid from Rob Williams in that role, I think that would be really cool.
0: Yeah. Were there any um, any free agents left that you you want to see us make a little run at?
1: Um, At this point, not really. Uh, I've kind of tempered my expectations after uh, Ennis cut into the full MLE. Um, like, I don't know who, who's, who's left available for like part of the mid-level exception. Like we just saw Tory Craig get like two years, 10 million. Um, so like if it's, if, if I, I don't think a Tory Craig caliber player is going to really, uh, change my opinion of this team. Um, other than just like giving us a good ninth, 10th man. So at that point I'm kind of like, you know, I kind of, have don't have my hopes up
0: anymore. I was, I was one guy who really wanted us to, to see us make a run after, depending on the price, was Patty Mills. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, but for sure, he went to Brooklyn. Um, good for him. Go get a ring before you retire. Oh, he's got rings, right? Yeah, I mean, Patty
1: Mills doesn't he won with rings.
0: Kawhi, right? That's right. In but 2014, was he there with the uh, beautiful game Spurs, yep, 2014. Oh, yeah, yeah right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got ricks, but go get another. You're awesome. And play—they play tonight. Australia, US play in about two hours from now.
1: Oh, uh, Australia is my favorite professional. Uh, is my favorite Olympic team, and it's not. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Yeah, uh, that's I mean, gonna be a good game. Joe Ingles and Matisse Thybul are like two of my five favorite basketball players to watch, um, from like a, from like a, let's just focus on this guy and see what he does standpoint. Obviously like I don't include the stars in this. Everyone loves watching the stars and I'm no exception, but like, if you're just two random guys who I love to watch Ingles and Tybal and they're on the same national team. So that's sick.
0: Yeah. Um, other than that, I think that's yeah. it. Actually, no, we need to give a, you know, Scott, cue the, cue the sad music. We're going to pull one out here. All right. Um, for uh, the Swole King. Okay. Semi Ojale. Yes, uh, of course. Off to off to uh, Milwaukee to go uh, compete with Giannis for the swolest player on the team.
1: You know, um, I really like them bringing, I think it's like, you know how, you know how when in basketball practice, like they just clobber you with like that rubber thing as you tried to make a layup or like that little pad. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what Ojale will do a good job of in practice. Like. He is he 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 did give Giannis, you know, when he was about twenty pounds less, uh, a hard time in the playoffs. You know, kind of walled him off in half court things. Maybe, maybe it'll be like Giannis will just laugh at him if he tries to do it now. But hmm. that's a good guy, you know. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, that's a good defender to throw at Giannis in practice. Uh, maybe that's why they acquired him.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking they kind of envisioned him as like a PJ Tucker replacement. Who,
1: yeah, I'll, and. I'll, it, it, with, the, with the amount of space that you know Giannis creates for his shooters uh there's going to be more opportunities to for semi to just like fire when wide open and you know we've kind of seen like in the past couple of years he can do that you know he's only going to take like one or two threes a game but he's going to make him at like an okay clip uh he's not going to command much gravity but he can hit a wide open three and he's not going to take away too much from their defensive uh kind of physicality um i don't think he's going to be pj tucker necessarily because that's that's a very specific and 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 you weren't saying that either um but he definitely i think if you're just sicking him on a you know a a big wing he's going to do better than a lot of guys
0: um i don't know why i just saw this but i kind of want to mention it now you know how somebody originally had zero blocks last year yeah
1: And that kind of is the ugly side of his defense, where it's like he's mostly just an on-ball
0: defender. He doesn't really make out-of-area play. So he has uh, he's played 3,705 minutes in his NBA career. He has 13 blocks. All right. Total. Um, Not going to necessarily
1: (laughs) – total. Not
0: going to necessarily –
1: not going to provide any weak side rim protection, but they have Giannis, so that's okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, it also a uh, poor enough for Taco Fall. Um, he's gone, and I hope he can go to a team where they don't treat him like a mascot. Like that's yeah. Like, he honestly, literally just felt like a mascot he here.
1: He didn't deserve half of the stuff, um, that he he dealt with. You know, Taco Fall is a real player. Um, he kind of showed it in garbage time, where you know he has stuff to his game. Like mm-hmm. he. You can't just make the NBA if you're seven six. You have to have some touch or touch and like, presence. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and he has that. So I really um hope he can kind of catch on as kind of a change of pace, uh kind of third string backup.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I
1: think that's it, unless you got anything else to add. I am I am good to go, my friend. Um
0: it's gonna I'm be a very to, bleh yeah
1: season. That's OK, though. You know, I I am um, there. There's certain things that I'm watching for and mm-hmm. people will be like, aren't you upset about the Celtics when we're like, you know, only a few games over 500? And I'm like, no, I'm not upset about the Celtics because Rob Williams is operating in dribble handoffs. Uh, Tatum is, you know, Tatum. Yeah, exactly, and and then there's a little bit more ball movement than last year. So I'm looking just for little indicators that can uh, denote progress, not necessarily uh, the win and loss column this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there'll still be a very fun scene to watch in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have that with Tatum Brown, Smart, Al, Time Lords fucking a joy to watch um yep. so as so long as you don't go in with high expectations and i can't wait for the fuck i can't wait for us to be hovering around 500 like 20 games in and it's just gonna be like oh my god brett's even just fumble it can't be a gm yeah. it's like look what he took over he yeah. had to scrap every bullshit decision age made but um yeah that's about it um everyone thanks for listening um it's been it's been a long pod. i didn't think it was gonna go this long but it's been a long thought um a lot to touch on it's been a while we're gonna to touch a little bit more in depth i assume coming up on other things um maybe a little bit about age and emi and Loka, and maybe get a little more in depth with what you mean gonna bring to the team um but you know we kind of wanted to have this pod be on more current events rather than go back two months to the Al over trade or you know right. two months ago when age stepped down but um yeah everyone thanks for listening um Check out premiumhoops.org. Listen to Mark over on Premium Hoops. He's pumping out ridiculous content right now as he always does. He works his ass off. Uh go check out Scott and the boys on Sense Scalability. Scott, Evan, and Cody. Um, they're doing great stuff, but they're on a break, as you've told me, Scott, until for a little bit. Yeah. But uh Evan's gonna be in summer league. And uh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, go check out Sense Scalability. They're awesome, they have ridiculously amazing guests all the time. Scott does a great job hosting that show with his incredible intro, but yeah, most importantly, (laughs) have a good rest of your day guys. Peace.